0: Welcome to another edition of Perspectives from Rothschild & Co. My name is Laura Kündlem, and for today's edition, I'm once again joined by our global investment strategists, Kevin Gardiner and Victor Balfour. Hello, Kevin and Victor. Love to see you again following the summer holidays.
1: Nice to see you, Laura. Have you had a good summer?
0: Um, Actually, I didn't take any holidays, but uh, being German, I'm always energized and don't need any. (laughs)
1: Oh, and of course, I guess your towel was on the beach anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a fair point you're making. But the convenient thing is when I go back in September, it will still be there, right? (laughs) So jokes aside, let's discuss what's been unfolding since our last conversation. Um, It appears that both stocks and bonds haven't had a particularly pleasant summer, with global stock markets witnessing a significant loss in value during August. So what do we make of these developments, Kevin?
1: Well, I think you could probably summarize it as a case of summertime blues. So it's uh, it's not been a good month by any standards, but I don't think that the bad news is likely to last that long. The reason for the the sell-offs in both stocks and bonds. Well, firstly, uh, economies, sounds a bit strange, but economies have been stronger than expected, especially in the United States. And that may sound a little bit strange given that lots of business surveys have been quite weak, especially in Europe. But the actual hard data that measure output and transactions, as I say, especially in the States, have been firmer than expected. And what that's done is that it's encouraged uh, the markets to think that maybe interest rates are going to stay higher for longer than they previously been expecting. And in particular, what we've seen is a little bit of a rethink at the far end of the yield curve. It's not that people have changed their minds about, immediately, about the immediate policy response to this growth, but they're thinking that... Uh, Longer term interest rates may actually stay high for longer than they'd been expecting uh, beforehand, not because of underlying inflation, but simply because they think the level of real rates needed to contain inflation is going to stay high because economies are not that fragile. I think another factor that's been driving things too is simply that, uh, remember, the bond market in particular has benefited in the last few years from the fact that central banks have been owning and buying bonds. And of course, that's stopped and there may have been a little bit of seasonal indigestion as central banks have actually been selling bonds through the, the summer. So that's, that's why the bond markets had a difficult time of it. And that's spilled through to equities because interest rates are important to equity markets as well, particularly when it comes to gauging equity valuations And so it's not been that big a surprise, given that interest rate expectations have risen, to see equities having a difficult month too. But as I say, I think this is a case of summertime blues rather than a lasting change in the investment narrative as we see it.
0: So during the past week, central bankers were gathered at Jackson Hole for the Fed's annual symposium and all eyes were on the chair of the Federal Reserve speech. How do we interpret it, Victor? Victor?
2: So I think this is going to disappoint some of our listeners, but it was um pretty unremarkable, I'm going to suggest. Um, the speech didn't really suggest anything new other than what had been stated previously. Um, you know, Powell reiterated the Fed has shifted to a sort of data-dependent approach. Um, he also noted that interest rates are now high enough to be what they call restrictive. You know, we're close to you know five and a half percent in nominal terms, you know, firmly positive in real terms. Um And, you know, that said, you know, I think while inflation is abating, I think one of their concerns is that it's obviously not yet back at target. And certainly given the kind of resilient economy, um, that may well underpin, underpin, excuse me, some inflation risk going forwards. Now, whether the Fed does decide to raise interest rates, you know, once more in September or perhaps even November as money markets are tilting towards. um, To sort of Kevin's point earlier, the economy, you know, at least so far seems to be able to weather these higher interest rates. And I think for us, it's not so much about how high they go, but how long they're going to stay at this level. You know, there's implied policy rates for next year are slowly repricing higher, more of a kind of plateau shape that is now appearing uh, in that money market curve into next year.
0: The last time we spoke, we also touched upon China's economy and its post-pandemic economic challenges. Now the Chinese property sector is making headlines again. So it seems that the bad news just keeps coming, does it not?
2: Yes, it's been, it has been a difficult period. Um, you know, growth has disappointed, albeit, you know, it's important to say it is still expanding. Um, but of course, you know, the kind of big consumption-led rebound um, that we were expecting or hoping for at the start of the year has really failed to materialise. Uh, and I think we're seeing this also in the context of a, quite a weak global manufacturing backdrop. Um, but, you know, to your point, Laura, perhaps more worrying, of course, is the kind of fragile property sector. Now, it's been nearly two years I guess or so since concerns first emerged around Evergrande um, and we've had a number of property developer defaults since then. Um, There is a concern I guess today of a kind of wider domino effect you know spillover back into the shadow banking system um, and perhaps even beyond. For us we're not so much worried about those sort of systemic risks I think as we see it there are sort of few feedback loops into the kind of global financial system if you like. that said, you know, the property market downturn is a big drag on output. Um, and, you know, certainly it will be kind of contributing to the kind of weak stock market sentiment that is uh, that is playing out at the moment. You know, the onshore A share market, for example, is down nearly 7% this year in dollar terms. Um, the wider stock market is up 14. So there's quite a spread um, in terms of of that relative return this year. But there is a sort of perhaps a modicum of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, policy support has been slowly shifting in a sort of more positive direction, if you like. Um, the Beijing, uh, p- the PBOC, excuse me, has been um, easing policy rates in a very targeted way, admittedly. Um, and Beijing has also been talking about, you know, fiscal p- policy to support, you know, consumption. Um, it remains to be seen, I think, if to see if these measures can re- reinvigorate growth confidence, but certainly we think the structural drivers are Still very much uh, intact on on, on the kind of China story.
0: This then already brings me to a last question. Does this change our asset allocation, Kevin?
1: Well, on the topic of China first, I mean, China and the wider emerging Asia market, um, that's been our favorite part of the emerging block for a long time. And from time to time, tactically, the news becomes less positive. It's difficult to, at the moment. But strategically, i.e. in a long-term context, the reason we've liked this area and continue to do so, and we don't think that China has suddenly become uninvestable, as I know many people have been suggesting, but the reason we we, we like it well, several reasons. On an underlying long-term basis, the growth rates coming out of China for the foreseeable future, even though they're slowing down, They're going to remain better than the growth rates which are on offer in most of the rest of the world. So it's still a strong growth uh, region, even though from time to time that growth does uh, disappoint a little. Secondly, big thing that China and the wider emerging Asian market has going for it is it's got lots of diversification in terms of the sectors and economic exposures. Often when you visit emerging markets, Latin America, Africa, Eastern Europe, you find that the economies are very lopsided. They're focused in favor of energy or they're focused in favor of mining. Um, in the case of Asia, you've got a very widespread of diversifying businesses that will give you exposure to the wider underlying growth rates in that uh, that area. And then thirdly, because it's been so disappointing for a while now, this is one of the least expensive parts of the global stock market. So valuations are also on our side. And although it's been a difficult call, we do want to stick with an overweight position in emerging Asia and in China, within that more widely in terms of asset allocation, I mentioned earlier that we're in the middle of a little bit about uh, about of summertime blues. We're not that surprised that interest rate expectations have uh, been backing up in the way that they have done, uh, and moving to take on more of that plateau profile that Victor referred to. We didn't think economies would be quite this robust in the United States in particular, but we did feel that they weren't about to collapse. So we're not that surprised, and we think uh, eventually. We think stock markets will be able to settle down and deal with the current level of bond yields and likely interest rates. And once again, we'll be able to focus on ongoing growth in earnings. And that should, we think, propel stock markets back upwards. And that's why uh, we remain with an overweight position in equities. It's a relatively recent addition. We restored equities to an overweight only a month or so ago, but we're very much sticking with that. And the corresponding underweight for us is now that we're relatively light on liquidity.
0: Many thanks to the both of you. Then I propose we catch up again after I've had my my holidays. Bye for now. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed in this episode, please go on www.rothschildandco.com forward slash insights. Thank you for listening. Please note, this audio content is produced by Rothschild & Co. for information purposes only and any reliance on the information provided in it is done at your own risk. This content should only be used or reproduced with the express written permission of Rothschild & Co. The podcast is not provided as a solicitation, recommendation, or invitation to buy or sell any security, fund, or any other banking or investment product. Nothing in this podcast constitutes advice of any sort, and no responsibility is accepted in relation to the fairness or accuracy of it. The value of investments, and the income from them, can go down as well as up, and you may not recover the amount of your original investment. Past performance should not be taken as a guide to future performance.